Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. We're talking about healing on Wednesday night. Pastor's talking about faith on Sunday mornings. It's a great combo. And so this, this is called Reasons You Should Expect to be healed. And number one reason last week you know, that we went through, and I, they're not in necessarily order of priority or anything, but we're just listing reasons you know, about why you can expect to be healed. And really, you need to, to be built up in healing. You need to be constantly being built up in the area of healing because you don't know when the day comes that the enemy comes knocking at your door. You don't need to be taken off guard. You don't need to be taken unaware. You don't need to be taken aback so that you panic. See, I, I know what that's like. I remember the day they, you know, they, they called us and told us that Pastor had cancer. And uh, I remember the panic that set in in the next 24 hours. You know, and I learned a great deal from that. So when I heard that same word a few years later, my, my whole thing at that time was, I don't have time for this. See, that's where we need to get. We need to get to a place where we understand, we haven't got time for this, and tell the enemy where, where he can take it. But sickness, he wants to use sickness as a distraction so many times. If he can distract you from moving on with God by you having to focus on yourself and, and inwardly, then he keeps you from reaching out. If my attention has to be so focused on me that I'm putting so much energy into, into, into me, my life, my healing, my body, my finances, my whatever, then he keeps me focused on something that the, that the Lord wants me to just relax and rest in and move on. And so that we can, we can be able to reach out to somebody else. But we primarily need to be able to do that. But we need to be able to demonstrate the fact that God's healing power is at work in every believer's life. Not a few believers, not just some special anointed believers, but in every believer's life. Every believer. You know, and it's amazing how many people don't know that God has provided healing for them already. That they're not aware of it. They have, they're not convinced of it, I can tell you that. Just listen to the way people talk. They're not convinced that God expects them to be healed. So we're talking about this because people, you need to be convinced. You need to be persuaded. You need to be absolutely sure beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are the healed of the Lord. And when it comes right down to it, whose report will you believe? Whose report? We used to sing that song, Whose Report Will You Believe? I will believe the report of the Lord. And his report says, I'm healed. So the first one we talked about last week is because God healed in the Old Testament, and he has not changed. Go with me quickly to Hebrews 8. Hallelujah. If you don't mind, I will grab my glasses. Hebrews 8, verse 6. It says, now he has attained a more excellent ministry by much also he is the mediator of a better covenant which was established upon better 
promises or provisions. Uh, in the Old Testament, he, he revealed himself as Jehovah Rapha, I am the God that healeth thee. Exodus 23, he said to his people, he said, I will take sickness away from the midst of thee. The number of your days I will fulfill. And he demonstrated this when he led the people out of Israel, uh, the people of Israel out of Egypt. You know, because in Psalm 105, it says there was not one feeble among their tribes. And because we know the estimated crowd that left Egypt was approximately 6 million, that's an astounding statement to make. There was not one feeble among their tribes. They ranged in age from brand new, newborns, right on up to whoever knows how old the oldest person in that crowd was. We don't know how they, but there was not one feeble among their tribes. That's, that's amazing. We know that God has not changed because he cannot violate his own word. In Hebrews 6.13, it said he made a promise to Abraham and he could swear by no other, so he swore by himself. There's no greater. I mean, you, you couldn't get any bigger than God. He, he said, well, you know, I, I, I can't establish this on anything except myself. You know, in John 1, 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Nothing has changed. Numbers 23 says he's not a man that he should lie. Isaiah 55 says that his Word will not return to him void, but it will accomplish that that it's set forth to do. It will accomplish that. See, sometimes we put the Word out there, and, and it's coming out of a head thing, not of a heart thing. You know, it's, we know the word, and sometimes we only know it here, and we have yet to really fully know it here. And this is what counts. What's in here is what counts. You know, the, the, there are people out there who can quote the Bible right and left, but it's not alive to them. It's not living to them. It's not real to them. It's not something they, they can establish their lives on, but they know it. But it's strictly a head knowledge. That's all it is. Malachi 3, 6 says, I am the Lord and I change not. Sounds very reminiscent of Hebrews, doesn't it? It says Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. And besides that, there's just too many scriptures that pertain to healing. To, to think that God doesn't expect you to be healed. Number two, we, these are the only two we got to last week, because Jesus Christ died to atone for our sicknesses as well as our sins. And we went to Isaiah 53, and we see, see where it says that he bore our sicknesses and carried our pains. Matthew also uh, quoted that verse. It says that it might be fulfilled. Well, look at that. You need, you need to go back over these scriptures on a regular basis. That's Matthew 8. 16. Hallelujah. We didn't have as much time last week as we do this week, but I still just want to just kind of run over this and add a few things along the way. Hallelujah. Matthew 8, well, 17, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Isn't that wonderful to know? that he took those upon himself, the very same stripes that he suffered, you know, for our sins, he bore for our sicknesses. The same blood that was shed for our salvation was shed for the salvation of our body. If you go to Romans, 
116, the word salvation there, if you don't mind, just turn right over there. Romans 116. Paul says, he said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. This is not the only place where the word salvation is used. But let me tell you, that word salvation, if you break it down, it means deliverance, safety, preservation, healing, and soundness. I wrote a little little note in my Bible that says, all the redemptive acts and processes. It includes them all. He redeemed all of me. Man is a three-part being, spirit, soul, and body. And he paid the price to redeem every part of me. Not just my spirit, but my spirit, my soul, and my body. He redeemed all three parts of those. First uh, Peter 2.24 says, we are the healed of the... He says, by his stripes, we are healed. We are. You know, and it's not talking, some people will say, well, that's just a figurative thing. It's not literal. Yes, it is. It's literal. Literally, he bore our sicknesses and carried our pains. He met our physical bodies, the pain that we suffer in these physical bodies, the sicknesses that try to come into our physical bodies. That's what he paid the price for. Um, 1 Corinthians 6.19 says that our body is the temple of the Lord and that we have been bought with a price. That body has been redeemed back from what the enemy intended for us. Uh, There are no exceptions in salvation or healing. There's no exclusions you know, people want to, you know, it, it's common that people say, well, if it's God's will to heal, well, it is God's will to heal. It's God's will to save, isn't it? The same willingness to save a person from eternal hell is the same, it's the same price that he paid for our redemption now in this body. This body has been redeemed. This, you know, I have, I get belts coupons all the time, you know, and it's great. I say, oh, wow, it's a 25% off coupon. And then you get these little little star things, and, and you look at the little star here, and you go down here, and it tells you all the things down here that it doesn't include. Listen, there is none of those little stars in Isaiah. There's no stars by any of the healing scriptures that, that have a place where you have to go read the fine print. There isn't any fine print. The fine print says healed. If you're going to look for some fine print, that's all it's going to say is Healed. Healing is provided. It's yours. And so, you know, when anybody says, well, you know, I don't know if God means for me, but yet you need to say right away, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, healing belongs to you. There's no shadow of a doubt about that. And uh, you, can, you can take them over to the New Testament where Jesus healed them all, all of them. You can look in Matthew. You can look in Luke. And it specifically says he healed them all. That right there in in and of itself needs to tell you that what he was doing here on the earth is what he continues to do today. He healed them all. You know, you find in the the Old Testament where uh, Jesus was typified over in the book of Numbers, you know, when the, the children of Israel had gotten into some problems and there were serpents in the camp, you know, God had Moses make a brazen serpent and lift it up on a stick. Now, what does that symbolize? The cross. 
And it said that everyone who looked upon it was healed. The same thing is true today. That, that person that lift, was lifted up on that cross was Jesus. And anybody who looks at him today and receives him as their Lord and Savior, the Savior of their, of their spirit as well as the Savior of their body, they're healed. Healed. You know, what we find, you know, in Deuteronomy, we, we always talk about the blessings. And if you go over there, you know, they, there was blessings listed. There were curses listed. And, and the blessings were predicated upon people's conduct. And if they maintained what they were supposed to do, then they'd be blessed. And if they didn't, all these curses would come upon them. And we know that in Galatians 3.13 says, we have been redeemed from the curse of the law. That Jesus has fulfilled all of that. And that we are redeemed from it. And we don't even have to, we don't have to be concerned about that. But I tell you what, in one sense of the word, healing is still based on conduct. It's still based on merit. But you see, it's not my conduct. And it's not my merit. If you look at with me, you're not too far away from Hebrews 7. Starting in verse 22, it says, By so much was Jesus made a surety, a guarantee of a better testament and they truly were many priests because they were not suffered to continue by reason of, that, of death. But this man, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. Wherefore, he is able also to save. That means to heal, to set free, to deliver them to the uttermost. And I wrote in here under uttermost, completely, perfectly, and totally. That God come unto him... To save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever lives to make intercession for them. So really, healing is predicated on the conduct of man. But it's only one man. It's only one man. Just one man. His conduct, his character, his sacrifice. You know, he did that for us as a man. Man and, his, and God. I'm telling you, it's, it's one of those things. You just have to sit down and you have to go through it carefully to understand just what he did for us in the fact that he came to earth as a man, that he laid aside his deity and he came here and he lived among men and he paid the price and he paid it for every one of us because a man, well, I'm fixing to get ahead of myself, but you know what? You just need to understand that it's not your conduct. It's not your merits that gets you healed, but it is his. Yes. The great exchange took place on the cross. He exchanged his righteousness for our unrighteousness. Does it call it filthy rags? He gave us brand new garments, completely clean, completely washed, whiter than snow. When God looks at you, what he sees is Jesus says that we're seated with him in heavenly places, seated at the right hand of the Father. You know, we've made the illustration before that, that that seated basically is not seated beside Jesus, who's beside God, but we're seated with him, in him. It's we're seated right there next to the Father because we're in him. So when Jesus is in us, that's all the Father sees. 
And he can, he can extend healing to us based on the fact that he sees Jesus. And Jesus has paid that price completely, fully, totally, once and for all. There are no exclusions. If, I mean, if, if, you, if you go back and look at what Jesus did when he was healing the multitudes, you know, I, I said this before, in the crowds that he ministered to that says he healed them all, there was all kinds of people, and they were not all good people. There were some pretty bad people there. You know, you don't, you don't think that a murderer doesn't want to be healed if he's sick. He does. He wants his body well, just like the most righteous person. And Jesus never stopped and looked at anybody in any of those crowds and said, uh, not you. No, not you. No, not you. No, not you. Never once. Never once. That should tell us that it includes all of us. Listen, if the enemy can ever convince us that there was some kind of an exclusion, some kind of an exception somewhere in the Bible, then he would convince you that you're the exclusion today, and you are not. There is no way God has ever excluded anybody. His healing power has been made available to all because of what Jesus did at the cross. In his death, burial, and resurrection, victory has been won for all of us in every area of our lives. That was number two. We're moving on to three. Number three, the reason you can expect to be healed is because all sickness is a result of Satan's work when he brought sin into this world and Christ was manifested to destroy his work. Go with me to Hebrews. You're still there. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. Well, tell you what, let's not, let's not use that one first. Let's go to, hold your finger right there. We'll come right back to it. Go to Romans 5.12. Just want you to understand where sickness comes from. It never, do you hear me? Never, 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 I can't say it enough, never comes from God. God does not have sickness in his back pocket that he pulls out when he feels the need to bring somebody low or to teach him a lesson. Never. It says in verse 12, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Now, how did that sin enter? When Adam gave up his authority and his dominion to the devil. That's when sin entered this world. And that's when death entered this world. And, it, and death on, t- on two fronts, two stages. Death came spiritually immediately, but death physically came as a slowly insinuating thing into the body of man, the physical body of man. If you go back into Genesis 5 and you look at the genealogies that are listed there, You know, God created man's body in the beginning perfect. There was no defect in it. There's no reason, because there was no defect in it, then honestly, you know, you can't even, you can't even begin to even contemplate the fact that that there was even a hint of the fact that one day he would physically stop to exist. 
He was created perfect. There was no disease in his body, nothing to cause him to physically die. I don't know that God ever intended for man to physically die. Because what would have been the point? I mean, his point of creating man to start with was to have fellowship, to have a family. He didn't want any of them to pass off the scene. He wanted them there to enjoy life and to enjoy it fully. And that's what Jesus then came back to do. Um, if you'll look, verse, uh, I think it's 2. Oh, I'm sorry, did I say 5? I think it's 217 is where I wanted to go. That was, that was where you eat. In the day you eat it, you shall surely die. But no, it is Genesis 5. Let's see here. Adam lived, let's see. Yeah, no, we, we left 217. That was just, that was in the day you eat it, you shall surely die. Go back with me to Genesis 5, I'm sorry. And in verse 5, it says, And all the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. And Seth lived 105 years and begat Enos. Can you imagine having a newborn at 105? Ooh. And Seth lived after he begat Enos 807 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Seth were 912 years and he died. And Enos lived set 90 years and begat Canaan. And Enos lived after he begat Canaan 815 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enos were 905 years and he died. And Canaan lived 70 years and begat Mahaliel. And Canaan lived after he begat Mahaliel eight years. Eight 140 years and begat sons and daughters and all the days of Canaan were 910 years and it goes on and on and it talks about even gets down to Methuselah and Methuselah in verse 25 no no 27 says all the days of Methuselah were 969 years I mean, that's an astounding amount of time, the way we look at time, for somebody to live. And yet, as you can see, as time has gone on, the, the lifespan of man has gotten shorter and shorter because sin has gotten more and more dominion in this world. And it's, it's taken more and more of a place in the physical bodies of man as sin has been passed from one generation to the other. That's not ever what God intended. Never. And yet sickness has been designed by the enemy to be an attack on man because that's the realm in which the enemy can function. And he sees us as God sees us, God's creative masterpiece. And he hates you because of it. And he's out to destroy you as best he can. And that's where sickness comes in. You know, and it's even better if he can get people to blame God for it. Even better. I mean, what, what better can you have than to commit a crime and have somebody else take the blame? You know, as growing up, I had a younger sister that was, that was born when I was six, and she died when I was ten. And, and as a ten-year-old, for me to hear people say, well, God needed another flower in his garden, trying to comfort my parents, I thought there's something wrong with that as a ten-year-old. I didn't know what I know now. And you hear it all the time. 
when, when a believer dies, and especially if it's unexpected, people will, will come up with, God needed somebody in his choir. God needed this. I mean, whatever that person, you know, was one of their known for, God needed another one of those heaven. No, he didn't. What he needs is for people to live out their full lives and continue on in the plan he has for them and to fulfill the divine purpose that he has for them on this planet. That's what really God wants. He doesn't need them in heaven. There's no need in heaven. You know, when we get there, he'll be happy to see us. But there's a need for us to be on this earth fulfilling the divine commission that he's given us to do. Many are the, are, are the missionaries who worked themselves so hard that they died at early ages. God never intended for them to do that. He intended them for, can you imagine people who are on the mission field who, who maybe die? I mean, I can probably come up, if I think about it for just a minute, the names of some missionaries that you, you know, from days gone by that you would recognize People who, who, who worked so hard trying to fulfill a plan that they didn't take care of their bodies and died early. That was not God's intent. Or people who went to the mission field not knowing that God intended for them to be healed. John G. Lake, you know, there was a bubonic plague going on, and he went and he took some of the foam that was that was coming out of the, the mouths of some of the people who died and put it and took it in his hand and then had them take it and put it under a microscope because he had a divine revelation of healing. And he had them put it under the microscope after it had been on his body, after it had been in his hand, and all those cells were dead. He understood what divine life was all about. Too many people don't understand what divine life is all about. And so... They go to heaven much too soon. See, I don't want to go until I'm ready to go. Until I'm satisfied that I've accomplished what God put me here for. That's when it's time to go. You know, Dad Hagen said, you know, when, if you ever hear that I'm gone, you'll know that I'm satisfied. You'll know that I got satisfied. And he left. You hear stories of many people. Uh, Smith Wigglesworth, you know, as being one of them, told his daughter, I'm going home this afternoon. And he went. He chose his time. You know, we can choose our time. You think that's far-fetched? It's really not. Not when you walk in an, in an area of revelation about divine healing and health and know that you can live until you are satisfied, and then you can go. And you're only going to be satisfied when you know you've done all that you needed to do, and you're able to, to hear the words that Paul said, talked about, well done, good and faithful servant. You know, when you know you can hear those words, it's time to go. You know, if you're satisfied, it's time. But you see, the thief, you know, and somebody said, well, do you, you ever wonder what, how, why people get sick? Well, yeah, I know exactly why they get sick. John 10, 10 says the thief comes to steal, to kill and destroy. I, I always marvel at the fact that people don't seem to know that that verse is in the Bible. And it goes on to say, but Jesus is, is talking, he said, but I've come that you might have life. And have it more abundantly. What's the more abundant? To walk in divine health. That's part of it. It's continually walk in a place where you know that whatever the enemy brings your way, healing is already there. And to walk in such a way that you can walk in a place of divine health at any time. You know, in, in Acts 10 it says that Jesus went about doing good, healing all 
that were oppressed of the devil. People who are oppressed are under the domination of Satan. And, it, and so many times healing is, is a direct, you can, you can call it oppression. You know, there, there's a lot of things you can say about, about where sickness comes from in a body. And I, and I know there's, um, you know, you could, you could take some time to do that, but I probably won't do that tonight. You know, and sometimes sickness comes in our bodies because we don't take care of our bodies. Just like the missionaries, they didn't take care of their bodies. When you know to do better for your body and you don't do it, and then suddenly your body has symptoms in it, guess what? You knew better. You knew better. So you left the door open. But we won't get into all that right now. Um, Colossians 2.15. You can meddle a lot right there. You know, we just won't do the meddling right now. This is talking about Jesus, and it says, Having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. When Jesus was in hell for those three days and three nights, and he came out of there, he disarmed them. 26 translations. I, I love some of these, these verses. Having spoiled principalities and powers. One version says, he disarmed the principalities and powers. Another one says, he rid himself of all the powers of evil. Weymouth says, the hostile princes and rulers, he stripped off himself. Knox translation says, the dominions and powers, he robbed of their prey. Robbed them. He took it back from them. They didn't give it willingly. He robbed them. Philip's translation says, and then having drawn the sting of all the powers ranged against us. He made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. One translation of that section says, He made of them an open example, celebrating a triumph over them thereby. Another one says, And he put them to open shame, leading them captive in the triumph of Christ. 20th century says, he held them up to open contempt when he celebrated his triumph over them on the cross. The Williams translation says, he made a public display of them, triumphing over them by the cross. And then the Phillips, this is the best one. He said, says, he exposed them, shattered, empty, and defeated in his final glorious triumphant act. Isn't that wonderful? He exposed them. And the devil's been trying to hide that fact from man ever since. But he exposed them. And what a wonderful opportunity you and I have to keep on exposing him some more to people who don't know. Amen. All right. That was three. Number four. We know we can expect to be healed because the same spirit that worked through Jesus and raised him from the dead is still here. Luke 4.14. Hallelujah. It says, Jesus returned in the power of the spirit into Galilee. You know, he had not done any miracles until this point. 
he returned in the power of the Spirit. Now, why do you think it says over in, in Acts, the first chapter, and he says that in verse 8 says, you will receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. The same power that came on Jesus is the same power that comes on us today. The same power. And because that power came on him, you can see over in Acts 10, verse 38. I mean, this is, if you boiled it all down, summed it all up, here is one verse that, that just sums up everything Jesus did while he was in his earthly ministry after he came back in the power of the Spirit. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. Oh, isn't that marvelous? Now, when you, when you think about that, how God anointed Jesus, it stands to reason the same power gets the same anointing. Same power, same anointing. So when Jesus went about doing good and healing all, guess what? You have the same anointing to go about doing good and healing all you come in contact with. And then Romans 8, 11, love this. Romans 8, 11. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. The same spirit that reached down into hell and brought him out is the same spirit that resides on the inside of us. Now, if you stop and you think, how much power did that take to reach down into hell and to bring him out? That same amount of power is available to you to quicken your mortal body and for you to tell somebody that it will quicken their mortal body. The same power. I mean, I'm telling you, the power that reached in there brought him out. And when, when he came out, he brought the, the keys of death, hell, and the grave with him. That's the power that resides on the inside of you. I mean, think about it. Can you lack anything when that kind of power resides on, in, on the inside? Is there anything you can't do? Anything that can't be made manifest in your body? No, absolutely not. You know, I, I go back over to John 14 where it, says, where it says, Jesus says, I'm going away. And he said, but there's going to be another comforter, another comforter, another comforter just like me who's going to come and reside on the inside of you. Oh, hallelujah. To think, oh, there's so much more on the inside of us than we ever really stop to consider. So much more available to us because of what's on the inside of us. Listen, there's power in that electrical outlet over there. There's power running all through this building. But until I plug something into it and turn it on, that power does me no good. 
Likewise, the same power is residing in every single believer, but they haven't accessed it. They haven't plugged into it. They haven't turned the switch of faith on. See, that's what happens. There's a power surge ready to take place as soon as you plug in and turn on your faith. It's ready. It's available. It's already there. The potential is right there in that power outlet over there. But nothing's plugged into it. But you see these lights? There's power running to every one of those lights. But the reason we see those lights, the reason there's light in this room, is because somebody turned a switch on. Somebody accessed it. That power is here. That power belongs to us. The bill's been paid. Nobody's going to switch it off for an unpaid bill. It has been paid, and it's yours to use as abundantly as you want, as abundantly as you need, as abundantly as you can put your faith to work. It's right there, available. Amen. Hallelujah. Another reason we know we can expect healing is because of Jesus' last great commission and God's direct command. Now, what do I mean by that? Go with me to Matthew 9.35. Matthew. says, Jesus went about all their cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Guess what he was telling them? He was telling that you are the laborers, and this is what you do. Now go with me to Mark. Or no, let's just stay in Matthew. Go to Matthew 28. He spelled it out in Matthew 28, 18. All power, all authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore. And teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, unto the, even unto the end of the world. And then go with me to Mark, Mark 16. The companion to this. Isn't it nice that you've got four different accounts sometimes of things and it all in each one of them bring a bring a new part into it. It says here he says go ye into all the world and preach the gospel the good news. See the gospel is always good news to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved, he that believes not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. And they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. There's no if, ands, or buts. There's no exceptions. There's no, well, maybe, you know, most of the time. None of that. They shall recover. Jesus gave them examples, everything that I do. And he said in John 14, 
greater works than these shall you do. You know, we know it's been said that if, that if, if they could write it all down, all the works that Jesus did, there'd be not books enough to contain it all. And yet he said, greater works than these shall you do. Shall you do. Hallelujah. You know, and over in James, it specifically says, James 5, 14. It says, is there any sick among you? Well, that's a given these days. There's always somebody who's got something. And listen, you know, sometimes we are so indoctrinated in putting up with things in our bodies that God never intended to be there because they're just, we look at them, well, they're just annoyances. Well, it's just a product of getting old. Well, it's just this. Well, it's just that. Well, it's no big deal. You know, sickness on any level it should be a big deal to us. If there is anything in your body that's less than the perfect design and plan of God for that body, it's sickness. The fact that I'm wearing these glasses is an infirmity. If Moses could go to his grave with his eye not dimmed, why should I have to put up with this? Thank God there are, there are glasses, there are things available to help me, you know, and, and to um, mitigate the symptoms. But is it something that we should be willing to put up with? Hmm? No. And yet we think, well, you know, you're going a little overboard now. I mean, let's, you know, let's talk about things like, you know, pneumonia or cancer or arthritis. Or Listen, the fact that my eyes don't see as well as they used to do is sickness. It's sickness. It's all one term, sickness. And I've been redeemed from that. One of these days, we're going to get to a place, hopefully, well, we're not willing to put up with any of that. Not willing to put up with the fact that my shoulder doesn't maybe want to move the way it ought to, that my knees don't work like they used to, that my eyes don't see as good as they used to, you know, that my back doesn't feel as good as it used to. You know, and we, we just chalk it up, well, I've gotten older. No, you've gotten to where you want to, you just put up with it. You've just, you just said, well, you know, it's a, that's what, you know, that's acceptable. It's acceptable. When we put up with it, we have deemed it acceptable. Should we do that? No. Uh, am I talking about a really high standard? Yeah, I am. I know I am. But you see, God provided for us so that we could have that high standard. He intended for us to walk in that high standard. He put it out there so that we could always be reaching toward the goal of walking in that kind of a high standard. And, and we can. We can, get, we can do better. We can do better. We don't have to put up with any of it. But here it says, uh, If there's any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. Isn't it wonderful that we have the ability to call on our brothers and sisters? 
when we need them and say, lay hands on me. Lay hands on me. Let's join our faith together, you know, and believe God. You know, and it says, and they shall recover. He will raise them up. The prayer of faith will cause that sickness to be gone. Amen. Hallelujah. And lastly, the reasons we, reason why we can know that we can expect to be healed is because of his marvelous promises. And this is directly out of T.J. McCrossan's book, the way he said it. The fulfillment of which depends altogether upon the exercise of our own faith. See, the fulfillment of his promises in our lives depends strictly on us, not on somebody else. You don't have to rely on somebody else's faith. You don't have to rely on somebody else's conduct, what they believe. You can rely on your own. And sometimes people look at that as a burden. They would rather have somebody else believe for them. But, you know, you can't always depend on another person. But you can depend on what's on the inside of you. If you're born again, and especially if you're a spirit-filled believer, power is on the inside of you, and you should know that you can depend on what is already residing on the inside to get you the healing that you need. It's already there. You know, Matthew 21, 22 says, Whatever you ask in prayer, believing, you shall receive. I'm going to get over in pastor's territory a little bit here in this section. And it says in Mark eleven twenty two through 24, he, he talked about it Sunday. Wonderful. If you didn't hear Sunday's message, I encourage you to get the download, get on whatever you need to get on your iPod whatever, and listen to it. Because we all need to be built up in the area of faith. And uh, you know those verses over in Mark 11. Verse 24, Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Listen, do you desire healing? When you pray, believe that you receive it, and you shall have it. John 15, 7 says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you will, and it shall be done for you. Matthew 9, 29 says, According to your faith, is what he talked to people about. When, it, when they came to him for healing, he says, According to your faith. Listen, don't look at it as... Oh, man, I have to believe God for myself. Yeah, you do. You do. You have to be completely and totally sure for yourself that God intends for you to be well 100% of the time. 100% of the time. And he told those people, he said, according to your faith. See, because people on the outside of that situation would say, oh, this is not, you know, this will never happen. Oh, you know, this will never change. But Jesus looked at him and said, according to your faith. doesn't matter about these other people. You know that woman with the issue of blood? If she, had, if she had stopped to talk to anybody, they would have told her to get herself back home. You don't belong here. And then they would have told her, this has gone on far too long. Your, your, your malady cannot be touched. I mean, it's, it's just not possible. But she didn't, she didn't ask anybody. On her faith, she went and she found Jesus. She pushed her way. Through that crowd. She, I mean, I can just imagine this little lady. You know, I you know, can't imagine how, you know, I'm just in my mind, I'm thinking she's probably short like me. 
and she's just pushing her way. She don't care. There's none of this, pardon me, excuse me, pardon me, excuse me, excuse me, pardon me, pardon me. She was determined, I feel like, to get where she needed to go. And she didn't care if she came across as rude or pushy or anything else. She knew where she needed to go, and she was going to get there. And she didn't care how many people stood between her and Jesus. She was going to get there. Didn't matter how, what she had to do to plow her way through. She was going to get to him. And when she did, all she needed was just a touch. Just a touch. Power flowed out of him. Who knows how, how long that she held onto that garment. It could have been a split second, but that's all she needed. That's all she needed. That's all she needed. She said, if I can just touch him. She didn't say if I can just hang on to him. She said, if I can just touch him. If I can just touch his clothes. She knew there was power residing in everything that touched his body. And if she could just get to where some of that was, all she needed was just a touch. And she was healed. And she was, praise God. But he immediately knew power had been transferred. Who? Who? And he took a grand opportunity to turn around and to teach people, this is what it's all about. Any of you could have touched me. If you had touched me with the same kind of faith this woman had, all of you could have been healed at the same time. All of you. It, takes, it doesn't take much. You know, sometimes we think we've got to get in here, we've got to pray and pray and intercede and, and just spend hours and hours and hours going over scriptures and stuff. All it takes is one touch. All it takes is one, one verse to become real to us. That's all it takes. That's all it takes. In Matthew 19 and in Mark 10, both places it says what's impossible to man is not impossible to God. It says with God all things are possible. And Mark 9, 23 says all things are possible to him who believes. All things. Not just the easy things. Not just the things that, you know, aren't quite as serious as something else, but all things. He never qualified what those things were. He just said all things. And why do people not get healed? Well, Matthew 13 and Mark 6 both says because of their unbelief. The only thing that holds us back from receiving our healing is just our unbelief. And see, sometimes that unbelief is couched in other things. Well, you know, God's not going to heal me because I haven't been doing what he told me to do. I haven't been living up to, to what I, I'm, the level of, of commitment that I should. I, and, and the enemy then takes his, his opportunity to convince you that it's not yours. Listen, again, it's not based on your merit. It's not based on your conduct. It's based on his merit, his conduct, what he did, what he paid, what he willingly gave you, freely gave you. That's what it depends on. If we can just get to the place where we understand that it's all about what he did, we can just easily believe him for our healing. And he wants us to get to that place where we walk into, a, into any situation that the enemy might throw our way we're not moved by it. We're not the least bit concerned by it. We know the healer is present. And I am the healed of the Lord. And we can just not be distracted by it. And we can go on about our business, doing what we need to do. And 
convincing other people of the same things, that Jesus is the healer. Amen. And we have to get to a place, too, where we not just expect it, but we demand it. See, we're not making a demand on God as much as we're making a demand on the enemy to let go of our healing, to let go of our bodies, to let go. You know, he's trying to hang on to us, and we we have to demand him to cease and desist, to stop, to take authority over him, and to tell him where he belongs. You know, and it's certainly not in my body. It's not in my life. It's not in my family. It's not in my children. You know, you think, well, you know, I'm, I'm young. I'm old. I'm, I'm healthy. I'm this. I'm that. The other. Listen, the enemy will at some point come in to your life and try to convince you that there is sickness on any, on any level that's there and that you have to put up with it. But no, you don't. You do not have to put up with it. I... And seeing more and more, you know, that, that it's imperative that we walk in a place of reality, of the redemption that has been provided for us. You know, and I go back to something that we, we talked about last week for just a minute over in, um, in Psalms where it talked about he redeems our life from destruction you know, and I said, I had looked this up, and according to A.J. McCrossan, who is a Greek scholar, he says that that word, who redeemeth our lives, that word redeeming, redeemeth, is, a, is, is a, a word that means that it's a constant, ongoing process. You know, we know for over in Ephesians, the word that's, the, the verse that says, be filled with the Spirit, we know if you've been around here very long at all, that that phrase really should be translated translate as be as be being filled a constant ongoing thing the same kind of thing with the word redeemeth over in psalm 103 it's a constant ongoing process he is constantly redeeming us as we walk through life he is constantly that redeeming quality that jesus paid for is in a constant motion in our lives just constant. It's not that we have to stop and plug into it. If we understand that it's a constant, ongoing process, we just walk right into it and get into the flow of it and find ourselves healed. Amen? Hallelujah. I'm sorry. I'm over five minutes. Goodness. Praise God. Amen. Well, I hope that blessed you tonight. Um, let me, before you go, let me just do this real quick. Um, you need to have some books and things available to you at all times that you can, on a regular basis, go back and take a look at. I recommend these. God's Medicine. Healing Belongs to Us. Redeemed from the Curse of Poverty, Sickness, and Spiritual Death. Brother Hagen's got a book out there called Healing Scriptures. All these are all these are Dad Hagens. Every last one of them. Then there's this is health food devotions. Every single day of the of the year, you know, you could you could find yourself in one of these verses. They're in the bookstore, 
And I, I think I may have the only copy right here of this, but this is an excellent book. It's just where I got this teaching from tonight, Bodily Healing and the Atonement. This, uh, if you read the preface to this where Dad Taken is talking about this, how they managed this was out of print, and they managed to get a hold of it and get it back into print, it's excellent. Bodily Healing and the Atonement. Now, I will get some more if we don't have any more in there. I'll get some more of them for you. But tonight, before you leave, somebody came by our office, and they wanted to give us a bunch of these books. And we got looking at it and went, well, wonderful. At first, I thought it was an R.W. Schambach book. It is not. R.W. Schambach reprinted this book, and this book is actually by A.A. Allen, and it's called God's Guarantee to Heal You. They gave us a whole box full of these books. So I have 40 of these up here. And if you would like to have one, they are free. You may take one, take one per household if you don't mind. But um, it's a great book to have on the shelf. God's guarantee to heal you. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.